0: Oh, happy Saturday. I got to say, look, today we're baking a cake and it's all football. Maybe the icing on top, a little Kentucky Derby action towards the seven o'clock hour. We'll get to that coming up. But look, if you want to break down the Red Wings uh, win in, in eight rounds in a shootout, we're not doing that today. <laughs> okay. We got NFL draft seventh round action underway in Cleveland uh the Lions do still have one pick in the seventh round, comes towards the back end, third from the last, 257. Uh, currently at 241, the Chargers are on the board. The pick is in. Uh, but look, here, here's the deal. And, and I, I think that going into at least Thursday, the first round, you, you, you we're gonna get a feel for what guys like Brand Holmes and Dan Campbell are looking for here. Right, wh- what the vision going forward is. And I think you, you look at some of the, the stinkers that were in the papers after Thursday's pick of, of Panay Sewell uh, saying, like, look, th- this way of building a team and, and and recreating a team and building this thing from the ground up like a phoenix, starting from the trenches is an old, outdated, archaic way of doing this thing. And, and I equate it to this. Look, if you're 15 years old and you're ready to get your license, you're not going to get a Ferrari right away, right? You need to get the Pinto or you need to get the the, the, the Honda Civic and bash it into some stuff before you're ready for that type of vehicle. The, the Lions are not in a place right now to, to be going after the Jamar Chases of the world. The Waddles, the Smiths, the, all those flashy skill players that you see that, that went in the top of the draft. They're just not in that place yet. Two years from now, three years from now, yeah, we can have that discussion. And, and I, I would, I would, I would expect to be in a different position on da- on draft day uh, in, in two years from now. But look, that's not the situation that the Lions find themselves in. The Lions find themselves in a situation where they need a whole heck of a lot. They need to fill a lot of holes. They need a lot of puzzle pieces, and it all starts from the inside. And and Nick, I look, I to me, addressing it the way that they did first round. Second round, third round. You're in the trenches. Offensive tackle Penae Sewell uh, with the first pick. Then you go to defensive tackle in the second round with Levi Onsareke out of Washington, the defensive tackle who's uh, who, who is a a one of those players that opted out in 2020, um, but played a whole heck of a lot of games uh, for the Huskies. And then you go again to round three, Alim McNeil out of North Carolina, defensive tackle. They need help inside. And look, I think this is the way you start to build this thing up, and I I really really like what Dan Holmes or what uh, excuse me Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have done so far.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it just is an indictment though on the previous regime that they they spent a lot of resources on both of these lines, the Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia regime, and they still needed to address uh, those lines in this draft. So I think it just shows what the previous regime did. Um, I I think if one thing happened this weekend, they got athletic. I mean, every scouting report you read just reeks of athleticism and versatility. And I think they were used to drafting for specific positions instead of just Mm -hmm. drafting athletes and football players. They wanted guys who did certain things almost too much in the previous regime. Now they just want football players and they'll build a scheme around
0: them and I think it's refreshing right now. Well, look, talk about refreshing. There was no pick, at least through these seven rounds, the Lions haven't had a fifth and sixth round pick. So they've got one left towards the tail end of the seventh. But in the uh, four, six players that they've drafted in the first four rounds, I didn't go, wait a second, wait a second. Why did they pick him here? Why did they go up to in in the second round to go get a guy like who was going to who was supposed to be there in the in the fourth or fifth? I'm looking at you, Jelani Tavai. (laughs) No no offense to Tavai. It's not his fault. But you look at what the and I think you're right when you look at what the last administration did. You look at what the regime had had kind of built this thing on. it, it, It just didn't ever really feel right. And you look, look, you go to the you go to the third round. Uh, uh, and look, uh, uh, poor Dan uh, Dan Miller and Lomas Brown calling these guys names. Uh, Afatu Melifanwu, all right, he's the corner that they took in the third round out of Syracuse, three-year player, twenty-nine games after redshirt season in two thousand and seventeen. But Lewis Riddick on ESPN, he might be the best press corner in the draft. He's got all the ability in the world. There's no reason this young man shouldn't be a superstar in your third round pick.
1: Compared That's... to a couple of years ago when they drafted Tease Tabor, oh. who ran like a 4840, and people were questioning whether he can play in the NFL. They took him in the second
0: round. And what are you doing? <laughs> Spoiler alert, he can't. Yeah. So I'm, I just, I, I look... Those of you out there that are going, look, I needed a receiver. I needed a receiver at a higher round. I needed a a playmaker, a dynamic playmaker. I I hear you. I I understand you. I understand where you're coming from. All of those flashy toys, all of those, all of that is really fun and exciting. But they're just not there yet. They're at the bottom. They're at the very bottom. They got to build themselves back up. And that's what they're doing. You look at Amin Ra St. Brown out of USC. Not only, and look, we're going to talk to Scott Bischoff here in a second. We're going to break these guys down, let you know kind of what you should expect from these players, not only next season but into the future here. So we'll we'll get a little more of a of an in depth look at some of these guys. But but St. Brown in the fourth in the fourth round, I look at a guy who and I, I saw him play a few times, really good with his hands, high points the ball, but he is a guy. That is incredibly physical at the line, and he will block. He will finish blocks. I mean, it, it, being a wide receiver is kind of a dual part job. You got to go up and get the ball, but also you got to support in the run game. And this is another guy who uh, fits the mold of what Dan that that personality, the, the biting of the kneecaps that we saw in the opening presser for Dan Campbell when he was introduced as the head coach these are the types of players that they're bringing in they're just absolute animals they're physical and and they at they they are relentless if you watch some of this tape so uh, look nick i I don't know in in a minute here before we go to break what do you think of this thing so far i think that's i think this is on the right path
1: yeah i think it's great Uh, i did read the the beast by dane brugler who writes for the athletic and if you have a chance if you have a subscription to the athletic you got to look at this thing up he Has an in-depth scouting report on every player, and most of these guys, I think Sewell, Onsarike, McNeil, and St. Brown, the offers they had out of high school, they were Alabama, Ohio State, um, Michigan, and yeah, they chose to go to NC State or Washington. But these are premium athletes who chose to go to a different school to stay close to home or go to Oregon. I mean, Oregon's a great school, but these guys I think are going to help right away just because they're so athletic and that's not what the lions have right now.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great point. Whether they, whether they are, you know, contributing members of, you know, either side of the ball or special teamers all very important for this team going forward. All right. We got Scott Bischoff coming up next. We're going to break this thing down. We got an 80 year old streak that could be broken today. And for you, Michigan state fans, I'm really sorry. I hope it doesn't end up this way. We'll talk about that. Also coming up on sports wrap. What's going on with Aaron Rodgers? We'll get to that too. Don't go anywhere. Sports wrap on a Saturday coming up more next. All right. Welcome back. Uh, Look again, I I think what the, I think it's pretty obvious where this thing is going. I mean, starting from the inside out, working your way from the trenches out, offensive tackle, D tackle, D tackle first three picks for the lions uh, in the 2021 draft. And you look at the, 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 the caliber of talent that has been here, like Nick mentioned, uh, these are high level athletic players, and it's only going to help this team going forward. And, And I think to get a more comprehensive look at some of these guys and, and look, I think we need to set an expectation for what you can expect from these guys, uh, going forward not only into 2021, but well into the beyond. Scott Bischoff, the NFL Draft Scout and staff writer over at Football Guys, joins us this Saturday. Scott, good to have you here again. How are you?
2: I'm great. Thanks for having me. How are you guys?
0: Uh, very good. Happy round seven to you. I, I, look, I want to start things off round one. Uh, you look at, I think, we and we had talked about this last week when Nick and I were making our picks. We had Panay going to, uh, Cincinnati, like I think a lot of people did. It only made sense. Well, they kind of went rogue. They went Jamar Chase uh, and and got Joe Burrow, a, a, a playmaker, on the outside. So that allowed uh, Penny Sewell to slide to number seven. And as we saw all over line social media, they were very happy to take Sewell at number seven. Talk about what people can expect uh, from the big uh, tackle now over on the left, but probably moving over to the right here in Detroit.
2: Yeah. I mean, he'll start out at right tackle, but um, in the end, it's, he's a young, he's a young man. He's 20 years old. He's going to be 20 at the start of the season. What you can expect for, with him is just uh, is power and movement ability that, that is rare. It's, 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 it's tough to find people his size who move the way he does, especially out into space out into the second level. But you know, one of the, one of the things that that's sort of untalked about with him is his, his ability in pass protection and and how tough it, he makes it for somebody to get to the quarterback. If they beat him, they're in for a fight to get there. You know what I'm saying? Like you might you might beat him a touch around the corner, but generally speaking, it's going to take time to get to the quarterback because of his willingness to hang in there. And you can see that in the Auburn game in 2019. He's 18 years old in this game and he's going up against, you know, um Nick Coe was a defensive end at Auburn. He was 22 years old at the time. He's a 300-pound guy. Uh, I mean, a a grown man. You know, uh, Marlon Davidson went in round two last year, and that's who he faced in the majority of that game. And it wasn't pretty all the time, but he was willing to mix it up, and he was willing to get dirty. And I think for this city and the fans of this city, uh, you know, fans of Lions, uh, you know, he's perfect. He's a perfect type of player for, for what Lions fans are looking for.
1: As far as team building, I think a lot of fans wanted a wide receiver at seven, or maybe a quarterback. What do you think Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell were thinking in the decision to go Sewell
2: over Justin Field or Devontae Smith? I think they have their quarterback that they that they're looking to spend the next few years with, and that's Jared Goff. And I mean, I know I, I, it sounds it sounds just like, huh? It's a little confusing but but part of the trade with Stafford is Jared Goff. Brad Holmes is on record for talking about Jared Goff and how much he appreciates his play. Uh we could spend a lot of time on this, we probably don't need to, but I'm really intrigued as to, to see what uh Goff looks like away from Sean McVay. Sean McVay's been cast as this offensive guru but you know, I'm not sure that in the end we're going to see that with him. I, I think we're going to recognize that he's real rigid to his system I mean look at the 2-2 atwell pick um in this draft it's 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 you know he needs specific eyes for his scheme and it doesn't mean I mean just because Goff and mcVeigh split doesn't mean that Goff is done as a player there is upside with him as a player it's just I'm really intrigued to see what he looks like away from mcVeigh right so do you think he in
0: it, it kind of steps up? his level of play, or do you think he could possibly do? I have
2: no idea. I I mean, it's, it could go, it could go up, down. I don't know. I mean, it's that's, that's the thing is that he, he, all quarterbacks are scheme quarterbacks. They all are. It's just in McVay's scheme. I think defenses have, have figured out a little bit of what McVay likes to do. And if you're so rigid to the scheme that if we just keep doing what my scheme tells us to do, we don't have to make any changes. We, we see that, failing, I mean, it catches up to you at the NFL level. I mean, it's kind of a Matt Patricia type mentality that if we just, if we keep drafting guys that fit my scheme and we just worry about doing what I tell you to do, it it will will be successful. And I think that's just a failing approach. But um, so, so from the team building perspective, you know, I think that they are, they are in on golf for a couple of years, but it just, Sewell is not just a, a two year, three year player. He's 20 years old. He's a player that I think can play for you for a few years at right tackle. And then when Taylor Decker moves on, uh, I want to say he's 28, I think, at this point. When Taylor Decker moves on, you have your left tackle. He's already in-house, he's here. So you know, Sewell's gonna be 25 when he signs his second deal. Um, the wide receiver position thing was intriguing. I I mean I, I'll be honest with you, I love Jalen Waddle. I thought I think what Jalen Waddle is as exciting a player as there is, but from a team-building standpoint taking Sewell is is probably a smarter play. Mm. I understand they need receivers. We've obviously seen that they don't think they do at this point in this rebuild. Uh, I mean, they're fully committed to doing this thing in the approach that, you know, it's a little bit of a rejection of what Bob Quinn did. I mean, you know what I mean? Like um, Brad Holmes comes in and says, yeah, uh, Mr. Quinn, I'm rejecting the, what you had on the defensive line. Um, entirely. So you have Michael Brockers brought in as a, as a free agent. You have, um, was it, was Brockers a free agent or a trade? I, sh- I need to be correct on that.
0: I think he was, was I think
2: that trade. was a trade. Was a trade. Yeah. So Brockers comes in via a trade. You now, you've now draft two defensive tackles and you know, the defensive line looked like a, a significant weakness. Nick, we talked about it last year. It was, it was just a hole. You know, and now it's it's literally the strength of their defense.
0: Well, not only could they not—I mean, they were really horrendous in 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 run blocking. But I mean, they couldn't garner any sort of pressure if they weren't bringing extra guys. Um, and now you with 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 not only Brockers, but you know, you look at Okora, who's a good player. You look at yeah. Sean Hand, who is has flashes of could being a really serviceable player. They haven't kind of taken that next step yet. But but when you look at guys like Onsarike out of Washington or or Liam McNeil out of North Carolina State, these are more guys that are going to play. You know, want to be a three technique, want to be more of a of a true nose tackle. Those are going to be the guys that are going to really not only help in in letting those ends come back uh, around the sides, but also you know m- making some some hay in run blocking up the middle.
2: Yeah, and so so you know we're going to talk at some point that they dismissed the linebacker position until ri- round five. But you know, Jared Davis was here and Jared Davis was not lacking in athleticism, but the problem, one of his problems was that his defensive line in front of him did him no favors. Mm-hmm. So now you're in a position, if you look at the defensive line and, and it's, you know, if it's first and 10 and it's a run heavy team, your, your defensive line looks like Michael Brockers, Trey flowers, uh, John Pennacini, or Aleem McNeil. Right. Um, it could be just Hand. You've got big bodies. You've got you've got the ability to go really big. On passing situations, you're gonna go Aleem McNeil because he's gonna reset the line of scrimmage, like you were saying, as a nose or as a one technique. Uh Onzo is gonna play three, and he's very, very disruptive. First, he's got great first step quickness. There was a comparison to Aaron Donald with him, which is absurd because yeah, nobody Aaron that. Donald. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm an actor. I'm I'm just like Jason Momoa. No, you're not. So, um, but he's but he is a, a very disruptive player. And then you look at Romeo Aquaria and Julian Aquara and and the other uh, capabilities to bring blitzers. And the Lions are going to a 4-2-5 system where they're going to play a nose or a one technique. They're going to play two four eyes. Or you know a four eye on one side and a three technique on the other side, then there's gonna be a stand up pass rusher. Sometimes there will be a down defensive end. so there's gonna be a lot of versatility in what they're doing. But their defensive line is versatile uh, in in just about every way. It can, you can go real heavy. you can go uh, lots of ability to be disruptive. Sure. One of the things that the Patricia mold was not, like you mentioned, it was just there just wasn't much coming from the interior. And if there was pressure, it was sort of like squeeze pressure. And it took a while to get there.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Sure. Absolutely. And you look at some of the other players they've drafted now uh, a little later on, and they still got a seven uh, coming up in a bit. So uh, if you could, Scott, hang tight with me. We got Scott Bischoff here uh, NFL draft scout, sc- football writer over at football guys, uh, hang with us more to come here on sports rap, Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy coming up next. You know, I think a lot of fanfare and a lot of attention is going to go to that first round pick at seven with Panay Sewell, as it should, he's a good player. And I think he's going to be here for a long time. Um, but I think for me, uh, just out of these six guys that they've brought on board here in the 2021 draft, uh, Levi Onzerike out of Washington is a guy who for me is, is interesting because he seems to be really fast, seems to be really strong. Uh, Scott, I know that you kind of talk about uh, uh, we're joined by Scott Pitchoff, uh, NFL draft scout staff writer at football guys, but you talk a lot about, um, you know, how he was used at Washington. He was kind of used more as, as the anchor on that line, more right over the football. But if you move him to the three, move him outside the guard there, uh, you think he's going to be more effective in that role
2: yeah i think it'd be more more disruptive I, you know when you he was lined up as a nose or as a one technique at washington and yeah, i mean one of the other things to consider with him too is that he he did opt out and he's just been a little bit forgotten about truthfully but in their scheme he played he played over the ball and you have interior guys you have you know th- those those guys are they're they're uh, Better at dealing with power, quicker power, like uh the interior defenders are. And as he gets out away from the ball a little more, he has more space to operate. His first step quickness allows him to work the angles of a guard or a tackle kind of thing, or even a mm-hmm. center guard combination. He can work those angles a little better. And once you get your sh- you know, you get your shoulder up the field, it's tough to block a guy as big as he is. He's six foot three and 290 pounds some are going to consider that undersized for a defensive tackle but not as a 3 technique he's just you know he's he's into the backfield or into the the line of scrimmage so quick that offensive linemen are going to struggle with that and and the quickness is a bigger factor as you as you get further away from the ball
0: so how does this how does this change the outlook for for the defensive line i guess obviously they were in a, a three down lineman set with Matt Patricia uh but how does this change going forward? They'll have four down linemen. They'll go two linebackers, and they'll be in a lot of nickel. How? What does that mean here for for this defensive line? How how is this going to change? How what can people expect?
2: Oh, so I think you can expect a lot of rotation. So like we mentioned early on, you're going to see a lot of uh, heavy packages with with Trey Flowers and Brockers and Pennicini and you know maybe McNeil in some in some ways like that. But then in passing situations, you're going to see the quicker guys who, who can reset the line of scrimmage and be disruptive. They're going to come in too. And then there's going to be a, con- a combination of all of those things where you know, we're with Patricia, he was asking them to sort of hold their water and to handle the gap on either side of them and be responsible for those gaps and play smart technical football. Aaron Glenn's going to ask these guys to get up the field and, and pressure the quarterback. He is. Then you're going to see some blitzing. Uh, obviously, we're going to see Romeo Okwara doing what he does, and we hope that he continues to do a really good job of rushing the passer. But it's just it's a completely different mindset. But in order to execute some of that, you need you need pieces. And and you know if we look at their their roster and their depth chart today, they're too deep pretty much everywhere. We haven't mentioned Deshaun Hand. We haven't mentioned right. Nick Williams. You know we haven't mentioned some of the other Austin Bryant. We haven't mentioned some of these guys. And you have a heavy rotation of very talented guys. And what was a year ago, uh, a black hole where there was, you know, there were, there were problems on their defensive line now looks like a strength. Mm-hmm. And with their young secondary pieces, if the defensive line gets home, it makes the secondary look a little better. You can see how this gets turned around. There should be some excitement about what it is that they've done in one season to put themselves to be, I mean, last year was historically bad defensive football for the Lions. I, you know what I mean? It's, sure. it, uh, it's changed. Obviously, it's got to play out. Onzerike's got to play well. McNeil's got to play well. Sure, sure. You can understand. You just see the pieces of it, putting them together, and it makes sense what they're doing.
1: Right. So it took a couple years uh, after you had liked, but the Lions do have a Malafonwu now. Um,
2: (laughs) I knew you were going to say that.
1: (laughs) Scott and Sean Belegian did a uh, draft podcast for us for a few years, and Scott loved Obi And I still do. (laughs) Still do. Do <laughs> we got his
2: brother now, so what do we expect from iffy Milifonwu? He is nowhere near the uh, crazy freaky athlete that his brother was, but he still is he's still incredibly athletic for his size. I want to say he's 6'2 and and two hundred plus pounds. Um he's he's got long arms. Let me get you the thing. He's 6'2 and a half, 205. He has uh 32 and a quarter long arms he he's, there's a touch of rawness in his game where, where I think that's why he slips a little bit because he, for a, for a big secondary player for a big cornerback where they got him, it just seems like it was a screaming value for what he is as an athlete, but he's not the projection that his brother was like Obi was a great athlete. And obviously in hindsight, a much better athlete than he was football player where, where if you look at like senior bowl really helped him and it, to be honest, the Senior Bowl helped to everybody uh, this year because there's so much unknown with these guys. But he goes down there and he looks every bit the part of the smaller guys. So sometimes the longer corners have trouble breaking down, so it takes them a little more time to change direction. And, you know, they, they can get ex- they can get exploited in short areas with really good route runners, and he didn't look like that. He looked fine. So, you know, I think that he is, you know, he's a big defensive back. There's a, There's going to be a desire to push him to play safety just because of his size, but I don't think – I don't think that's a reason that you should move a player who's a defend who's a, a cornerback. I, you don't move him to safety just because he's a little bigger. But sure. you know, um, I, he could play press. He could play off man. I, you know, you're in a situation where you can play zone with him. Uh, I think his best his best um, the best way to utilize him maybe in like cor- cover three scenarios where this field's sp- split in three. There's a, there's just so much upside with him. Sure, but he doesn't need to see the field immediately. That's the nice thing about it. Special teams is going to help him. Um, But what you know, we you see Ojiwari and Melifanwu and Jeff Akuda, and like we said, you know the makings the makings of a, a good young secondary is there. He's an intriguing pick. Uh,
0: yeah, and I think with the, with some of the the youth that they have in that secondary, specifically at the corner spots. Uh, he, 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 giving him time to develop is going to be interesting. One of the other, uh, parts of this particular draft, one of the, one of the more, um, deep positions in this one was at wide receiver. They, they addressed that in the fourth round with Amon Ra St. Brown at a USC guy who can high point the ball, good hands, good route runner, but a really physical receiver, uh, in the block game in support of the runner running backs. Uh, what do you see from him?
2: So I think he's a high volume receiver. I think he'll play out of the slot and and they're going to have to move him around to get him free from press because he is not super explosive and he's not what I, relatively speaking is not fast. Now, when I say that, I want to say he ran, I I know it sounds ridiculous saying a guy who runs sub four, six is not fast, but he ran, I want to say he ran four, five, nine, but if you put him in the slot and he's got a two-way go where he's not being pressed and, he's, and there's not physical coverage, he's perfect for what Jared Goff likes and, and what the Lions are going to need to do with him, which is to get the ball out quick. And St. Brown's a, a really gifted route runner. I don't think he's one of the players who's going who's gonna to generate a lot of yards after catch. He's just not super fast to do those kind of things. But he's a very reliable receiver who's going to be open quick, and I think you're going to see him – uh, you know, seeing a lot of volume. He's he'll yeah. be a productive guy. All right. not in year not near one. It's sure. Gonna take a little time. Sure. But he's an option for them. All right. We
0: didn't, we were, we're going to, we're going to call an audible here. We got to take a break. We're going to steal some more time from it. Can you hang out for a couple more minutes? The lions are on the clock in the seventh round. All right, cool. Scott's going to stay on. Uh, we will come back next. Lions are on the clock. Their final pick in this draft. Seventh round. Don't go anywhere. Sports rap continues next. All right, welcome back. Lions round out their twenty twenty one draft by selecting Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State, running back, first team All Pac twelve in twenty twenty, averages one hundred and fifty four yards per year, per game from the line of scrimmage. That's fifth in FBS. And finish his career with just a few yards short of three thousand. Uh, Scott Bischoff. Uh, instant reactions to the Lions' seventh round pick.
2: It's a really exciting pick. He's a he's a very good running back. It's it's really interesting when you see Jamal Williams here and now Jamar Jefferson join it. Uh, very phys- both of them very physical players. Uh, guys who are tough to get down to, to the ground. Um, punishing style he's effective as a pass catcher. I don't think he's like electric as a pass catcher, but DeAndre Swift is going to do the, the work there. Um, he is, uh, not a super explosive runner, but he's very effective at what he does do, which is get downhill. And when he's, and when he gets, when he, you know, I mean, it's he, again, he's not super explosive, so he needs a touch of a runway to get up to speed, but he's tough to get to the ground. He's a, he's, we're in round seven. He's, uh, this is a player who will eventually be a running back three. I don't know that he's in the the equation to be on the on the fifty three this year, but he's a very effective running back. He's a good player. Uh, it's this has just not been a great year for running backs to be in the draft. I mean, it you know we, we're seeing this trend where running backs just don't get drafted very early. But he's an effective player. He's a good player. It's just is he a, a natural replacement for carry on down the road, and and that could be where he, where it is with him. It's a good
1: player. Uh, Chris, I mentioned the, the beast by Dane Brugler. I think Scott uh, reads the beast. He has Jamar Jefferson as the ninth ranked running back in this draft uh, between a fourth and fifth round pick for his. Wow. So
2: Yeah. And, and that's kind of that's where the value is, is those, you know, we if you think a guy's a fourth, fifth round running back and you get him in round seven, you should be excited now. He needs, you know, there's some things that you need to resolve. All running backs need to figure out pass protection if they want to be on the field on third down. And he needs to figure some of that stuff out. But, you know, he's not being pressed to play right now. You have DeAndre Swift. You have, you have Jamal Williams. Kerryon Johnson is still here. And as much as, you know, people gnash their teeth about Kerryon Johnson, he's great in pass pr- protection. And Goff is going to need that. So is there an instant pathway for him to make the roster? No. But he, he's a very gifted player. He's just not super explosive or he would be gone by now. But he's a very productive guy who's who's played at a high level.
0: All right, for my Spartan friends, as the uh, 2021 draft is now officially closed, um, on some unfortunate news for our friends up in East Lansing. So for the first time since 1940, no Michigan State player was drafted. It's been 80 years as that streak has continued, only trailing U of M and USC as schools that have had players taken every year. Uh, and that's an 80-year streak comes to an end, first time since 1940. All right, uh, Scott Bischoff here with us as we continue to break down this NFL draft uh, resumption here today. Uh, also a scout writer over at Football Guys. But one of the other players here that they took with some some, well, a lot of intrigue for me. Is linebacker Derek Barnes out of Purdue, fourth round pick, hundred thirteenth overall? Um, linebacker is a, a, a need for this
2: team. Did they? Do you feel like they addressed that here? I do, and I think that you can just look at what they did in uh, in acquiring him. Is you you gave up you you gave up your fifth round pick in a future? Did they get? Was it a fourth a future four, a 2022 fourth? Yes. to to go up to pick one hundred thirteen. Obviously, you got the seventh round pick too, but they liked him. And so, th- so I'm going to draw a parallel between Derek Barnes and Micah Parsons, the player, not the person. The players, yes, and oh. and it, there's it's similar where these guys are. They're both players who have played on the edge. Uh, that's that's where Barnes is most effective. It, Barnes is not a great traditional linebacker, where where you can say throw him in there and and he's a really good you know, two down run defender. And on third downs, he can pick up guys out of the backfield or he can cover tight ends and do those. That's not necessarily what is, what the strength of his game is. His game is, is uh, attacking the edges of an offensive line, pressuring the quarterback. That's where he's at his best blitzing, those kind of things. But Aaron Glenn likes to blitz. So, so there's an, there's an interesting fit in the things that he does do well already, which is blitzing and rushing the passer. I just I don't know that he's got great instincts as far as finding the ball as a run defender, but you know I mean there's a lot to like about what he uh, what he does bring. And again, he's not a it's it's not a player that you have to throw in the mix right now. Now with Parsons, there's similarities where Parsons is overly aggressive, where there are moments where you can see him run out of gaps, where you can see him take himself out of plays because he is so aggressive. But th- he's not a player that you're going to drop into coverage where and, and feel comfortable about it. But the thing that he offers is that is that pass rush, third down versatility, and Barnes does too. So I think we can draw the the uh, you can draw the distinction that the Lions probably liked Micah Parsons' game. It was just maybe a little too rich for them at seven overall to take him. And then I'm not saying that that Barnes is Micah Parsons as a player, but the, but the the style, the aggressive style, is there. The ability to get to the passer and make plays you know, as a, on third down as a blitzer, it's there. It's interesting. So for the second
1: straight year, when some fans thought the Lions would go quarterback like last year with Tua this year with Fields or someone, the second straight year, they have not even taken a quarterback. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you think there's any undrafted free agents they might go after? Jamie Newman was undrafted. Felipe Franks was undrafted. Do you think they target a young quarterback to, Develop behind Goff?
2: I would doubt it. I mean, I, I, you never know. I mean, it, it's um, this is a weird year to, to answer that question and feel good about it. So no matter how I answer it, I'm going to feel a little uncomfortable because there's so much unknown with all of this. Nick's really good about making people feel uncomfortable. So. <laughs> but it's I mean, it's a good question, and, and we're going to know. Um, they have they have Tim Boyle. They, you know, you have David Blau. You have developmental guys so you'd almost be forsaking one of them to bring on a massive unknown and a total project. So I don't think they will. I think they're going to be players in the undrafted free agent game. I just don't know that it'll be quarterback, but you know having a camp body is fine and and you never know. I mean, Felipe Franks is a talented player. You know, it's just it just never seemed to work. You know what I mean? Like and Jamie Newman when, he was at some big schools, it just never it just never seemed to work for him. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're solid college guys, but with Goff and Blau and Boyle, I think, I think they're set at the position. Um, again, it's a great question because you can answer it multiple ways and, and feel bad about however you answer it. You know, I don't know. No doubt.
0: Uh, interesting stuff. So real quick, uh, 10 seconds, a uh, really nice draft here by this team. You like it. Uh, you think this is a good uh, first attempt here for these, this new regime.
2: Yeah. I think at setting a foundation and, and establishing toughness and size from the trenches going out is, is it's a really smart way to do things. They could have done differently, but, but uh, you know, getting bigger, stronger and tougher and nastier is it you know, on both sides of the ball on the lines is smart. It works. No.
0: Yep no doubt uh there he is great insight as always scott bischoff yeah. nfl draft scout and staff writer of football guys always appreciate your time thank you scotty anytime guys thank you all right we'll talk to you there he is scott bischoff all right uh nick and also uh to not uh completely neglect this kentucky derby ready to get ready to get underway yeah,
1: they're getting uh, up who's
0: your pony here who you got <laughs> what, what what's your know. uh what's your uh, are you a helium guy? Are you a are you a Medina Spirit? We're Affords' horse. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good it's a good one. Uh, uh, Superstock is on uh, essential quality. Rock your world, all there for you. Uh, you can head on over to uh, to uh, Fanduel, get in on the action there. All right, that's gonna do us for it uh, today. We'll be back with you tomorrow, six o'clock. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, have yourself a wonderful Saturday. Lions. Finish off the 2021 draft.